Man, we are in uh, this Revelation series, and uh, uh, right now we're going today to talk about Revelation chapter 8. Oh, uh, that's Jose Ramon. He's our Spanish pastor. Are you going to preach today? Uh, no, he's not going to preach. We're, we're in Revelation 18, long chapter. We've been preaching long chapters, and Joey is going to read uh, the entire chapter of Revelation 18. Uh, and so he's going to read it, and we're going to come back out. And it's, it's an amazing chapter. And so Joey, uh, 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 I call him Jose Ramon, uh, Joey Ramon. He's our uh, uh, Hispanic pastor. Joey, read Revelation 18. Uh, you lean in, follow along with Joey as we read, and let's worship God through the reading of his word. Good morning, church. Um, there are 24 verses, okay? So bear with me. Okay. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a hunt for every unclean bird, a hunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I see it as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is human souls. The fruit for which your soul long has gone from you and all your delicacies and your splendor are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gain wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city 
that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels, and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trading traders on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich with their wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you, saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be, heard, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints. And of all who have been slain on earth. Man, thank you, Joy. Uh, you know, I, I have this love-hate relationship with church signs. If you've not noticed, we do not have a church sign at any of our campuses. All, we have a sign that says Life Point Church, but we do not have one of those where you put different sayings on it. I, as a matter of fact, I'd hate to come up with what we're going to put on it every week. But, you know, uh, I have this love-hate because you never know what you're going to get with them. It's sort of like watching the Titans or the Vols play. You never know what you're going to get, right? Matter of fact, I, I wrote some down here. I wrote some, uh, uh, some, some church signs that, are, that have just been uh, noted down. Uh, here, here's a church sign that says, the fact that there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven says a lot about the anticipated travel numbers, <laughs> right? Here's one. Tweet others as you would like to be tweeted, right? <laughs> Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. <laughs> Lord, help us to be the kind of people our dogs think we are. That would be good for me, right? I love this one. Whoever stole our AC unit, keep it because it's hot where you're going. <laughs> I, I can't believe this one. Creation, cr cremation is your last chance for a smoking hot body. Good gravy. <laughs> Having trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. Uh, you know, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with church signs, right? I mean, you never know what they're communicating to the, the, the world that, drive, that drives by. Here's the thing we don't have to wonder what God's communicating when he preaches, when he gives us revelation, right? When God, Jesus gave John uh, this vision of revelation, he's been very clear about what he's communicating. He's communicating first off that I know it looks like that the world is winning sometimes. It looks like the beast, uh, the prostitute, the dragon. It looks like that they've teamed up and that they're winning some rounds and maybe the outcome's in jeopardy, but it's not. He lets us know through this that 
he is on his throne, he is in total control, and he wins. He also lets us know a very clear message today. He communicates a very clear message. And that message today is, for all those who are faithful, come out of Babylon before it's too late. Flee before it's too late. And here's our bottom line for today. The faithful will not fall. The faithful will not fall. That's important uh, because Babylon is going to fall, right? That's, we, we've been promised the fall of Babylon. Today in 18, it comes true. And uh, when, when, we, when we look at today's passage, it is, it's really a, an amazing passage. It's another one of those passages that is full of image on image on image on image. It's, it's so loaded. It's so packed. We could preach forever, and we're going to cover it. it, it the, the, what I think the, the, the central theme of this, if we could boil it down today, and this, that the faithful will not fall, but in order to fall, not fall, you have to flee, all right? And so we'll talk about that. Now, the passage that, that, that Joey read really refers, Revelation 18, it refers back to Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34. In Isaiah 13, it records the fall of the literal kingdom of Babylon. Remember, Babylon was a real kingdom. It, it, cap, it came in, it conquered Israel, took them off as captives, the survivors, uh, made them worship false gods. We got the book of Daniel there, all, all kinds of things. And Isaiah 13 records the fall of literal Babylon, the, the literal kingdom of Babylon. Isaiah 34 records the fall of the kingdom of Eden. In both instances, it's the destruction of God's enemies. Today, in Revelation 18, we've been promised that Babylon is going to fall. Babylon is going to come under judgment. Today, God swings the hammer of judgment against the metaphorical Babylon. And the metaphorical Babylon is any kingdom that opposes God. It's the world system. It's the worldview. It's, it's Hollywood. It's, it, it's the, the song writers, the music industry. It's communism. It's, it's, it's all of these worldviews and, 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 and world systems that oppose God. That's the metaphorical Babylon. And Today, in Revelation 18, God lowers the boom of judgment against the metaphorical Babylon for, he says, her rampant sexual immorality. Now, remember, in this context, sexual immorality is not limited to literal or physical sexual immorality. It, it includes it, but it's not limited to it. Uh, as a, a, if you remember, God created sex, and sex is beautiful, right? It is an amazing uh, gift to a husband and a wife, and he created it for a purpose, to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife only because it is a covenant relationship. It is a consummation of a covenant relationship. And then each time a wife and husband are intimate, it is a reminder of a covenant relationship. It is a reminder of fidelity and faithfulness and all that is in a covenant relationship. And that relationship of a man and a woman in marriage, husband and wife, it represents the relationship God wants to have or God has with his church. It is a covenant relationship of fidelity and faithfulness. And so therefore, anytime we give ourselves to anything other than God, it's considered idolatry. He refers to idolatry. He uses the term sexual immorality because it is unfaithfulness to refer to idolatry through Scripture. And here he says Babylon is going to burn to the ground. He's going to lower the boom of judgment because of Babylon's rampant idolatry, rampant sexual immorality. Now, Babylon 
the metaphorical Babylon uh, with, that we live in today is so idolatrous, uh, so sexual immoral, or so idolatrous that he says that it became a home for demons and a home for, uh, you know, beasts, unclean beasts and unclean birds. And what, what's he talking about? Well, here's what he's talking about. Remember the prostitute. He uses this imagery. I mean, you've got this very, very vivid imagery because he's trying to help us to understand how the, that the world we're living in. Uh, if the beast, if the beast cannot get us with the sword, what does he try to do? He tries to get us with seduction, which is the most absolute effective thing that the beast uses. And there's this image of the prostitute. What's the prostitute do? There's seduction involved. There's an alluring nature of the prostitute. If you will come into my brothel, you will have life. You will have fun like you've never had before. This is where life is, is inside the brothel of the prostitute, right? If you'll come in, man, you won't have to worry about money, man. Uh, you, you, you'll, you'll have the money you need. If you'll come in, pleasure, there's pleasure forevermore. I mean, man, there's physical pleasure because you can have sex with whomever, whenever. I mean, you know, man, woman, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, animal, whatever. You can just enjoy yourself because that's what life's all about, man. You live one. Uh, you live short, so just enjoy yourself and live to the fullest, right? In my brothel, it's pleasure. In my brothel, you don't have to worry about money. In my brothel, man, you'll have all the toys you want. I mean, you, you, you'll literally, man, you'll have all the stuff you want, man. They're going to make you happy. That's what the prostitute does. That's our world system, right? Does, does that remind you of the system of the world that we live in? Uh, a very consumeristic system that's, that, that, you know, is... Uh, completely different, but, but uh, uh, the same allure as a communistic system or anything else, right? So you're beginning to see that in our world. So she promises life, this, this, this prostitute, alluring, come on in, man. I mean, this is where you're going to find life. But it's a bait and switch. We know that. It's a bait and switch. She promises if you'll come in, man, you'll have, you want, I mean, money, but here's the deal. You come in and it doesn't bring the money, it brings the death, the death of satisfaction. It brings death of debt. It brings, uh, it brings death because how much is enough? Uh, you, you, you get to the point, there's never enough. Man, if I make this amount of money, come in and you'll make this amount of money. Great, you make that amount of money, but then that target changes. I need to make this amount of money. And it keeps changing because why? Because how much is enough? It brings death to satisfaction. Man, sexual pleasure. Sex is about pleasure. Come in and you'll enjoy, you'll have pleasure evermore. I mean, it's sex. It's just free sex. I mean, that's what pornography does, right? Men and women all over are lured by the prostitute because it's sex without any strings attached, right? But what does it bring? It, brings, it doesn't bring life. It brings death to intimacy. It brings death to marriage. Many people are destroying their marriage with pornography. You're killing it slowly. And listen, if you're single and you're in pornography, you're actually killing your future marriage uh, if you stay involved with this because it brings death to intimacy. It brings death to true pleasure, right? I mean, man, you, you think oh, the stuff will get it. Stuff's what's going to make you happy. Buy this, buy that. I mean, the prostitute, man, she, she uses, wears all these jewels, that this bling that gets your attention. Well, in, in some ways, that's the commercials, that's the advertisements. Buy this, this will make you happy. Man, buy this, you'll get the women, you'll get the dudes, buy this. And so we go after it, and it brings death to contentment. It brings death contentment because enough's never enough, right? And so there's this bait and switch, and, and Babylon becomes this home of, of demons and, and a haunt. It's a wasteland, folks. It's a wasteland spiritually and emotionally. And this is one of the greatest examples that we can see in this 
is in our country, in 1962, our country outlawed the influence of God's word in schools through Bible reading and prayer in 1962. Over the next 40 years, here's what happened over the next 40 years. Uh, did, it, did it bring life? Did it bring a more civilized society? Did it bring a, a, a society that was, you know, I mean, we're educated, man, what did, what, what did it bring? The promise was uh, of something, what did it bring? Well, here's, here's what happened in, 19, in 1962 since America, over the next 40 years, births to unmarried girls increased over 500%, child abuse increased over 2,300%, divorce rose over 350%, illegal drug use among teens increased over 600%, Teen suicide rose over 450%, and 25% of all viable pregnancies uh, were terminated just because they were inconvenient. Death or life? Do you see what it means when it talks about a wasteland, a home for demons, and, and every unclean beast? And that's, what Babylon, that's what Babylon leads to. That's what resides in Babylon. It's not life. It's death, right? And so God comes in and says, man, the, the prostitute has allured and there's just rampant immorality, rampant idolatry. Enough is enough. And he lowers the boom as he promised he will. It's coming. All right. He promised and it's coming. And so he lowers the boom. Now, here's what we see in this passage. We see two things basically that I want to I point out. One is Babylon falls. God lowers the boom on Babylon. Babylon falls. The angel he sees an angel that takes a great millstone. A millstone was this great stone that was round that they used and either a horse or, or, or some animal pushed it in circles to grind their wheat or humans pushed it in circles. And this angel takes a great millstone and he throws it into the ocean and it sinks to the bottom and he says, this is what's going to happen to metaphorical Babylon in this vision. It refers back to Jeremiah back when the kingdom of Babylon was still around and Jeremiah took a scroll and a rock and threw them into the Euphrates River and said, this is what's going to happen to Babylon, literal Babylon, as she's going to sink to the bottom and never rise again. That happened. And here God says, the Babylon that we live in today is going to sink to the bottom and never rise again. She's going to be destroyed. He uses the imagery and he uses the illustration of harps, music. The music stops, right? He says that the harpists never play again. The musicians don't play. The, the flute players, the, the trumpeters, what's he talking about? Well, man, music is a great blessing of life, right? I love music. Uh, we all love music. You come in today, we sing in church, we sing for a reason because we're told to. That's a part of what we do. Uh, but music, think about the importance of music. Man, I watched football yesterday, and I, I'm a football nut. And uh, if you notice, man, football is a huge, football and music's a huge part of football. It's not just a marching band at halftime, but it's in the commercials, man. I mean, they're getting a crowd pumped up with music, right? You watch the Titans today, music pumped up. I mean, it's a great part of life. We sing, think about it. We sing at birthday parties, man, weddings, graduations, music is a huge part of celebration, ceremonies, games, trumpeters played at ceremonies and games, music, celebrations, parties, having a good time. He says, this is the day the music stops, right? There's no more of that. This is the day the music died. Many of you that, that I quoted men at work earlier, because uh, I'm a product of the 80s, but some of you remember American Pie. Uh, Don McLaren wrote a song bye-bye American Pie, you know, he talks about it was the day the music died over and over and over, right? And the whole song is uh, about Buddy Holly and, uh, and Big Bopper and, and their plane crashing in, killing them. And they were the, you know, the early rock and roll and the, it was the day the music died. The, the crash was the day the music died. 
God says, long before they wrote that, God said, Babylon's going to crash, and it's the day the music dies. The music dies that day. There's no more life in their homes. There's no more laughter. There's no more weddings. There's no more graduations. There's no more joy, right? He says, the lamp, the lamp, their meals, there's no noise and activity in their meals, meaning work, industry is gone. The the lamp never shines again because uh, those who are cursed by God live in darkness, And that's what you see. Babylon falls, folks. It's God is in control. And you may think that the enemy's winning this round, and you may think that he won that round, but don't ever question the outcome because the battle has, the war has been decided. God wins, and he will destroy Babylon. Babylon falls. And what we see here is when Babylon falls, you see two responses. Two responses because there's two different kinds of people in our world. Only two, Christians, non-Christians, right? Believers, non-believers, those who have the mark of the beast, those who have the mark of the lamb. There's only two different kinds of people in our world, and there's a response by both. There's a response by the world, and there's a response by God's kingdom, the faithful. The response by the world is wailing and weeping and mourning and throwing dust on their head. He says the kings of the earth, the merchants, the mariners, they weep when they see Babylon going up in smoke. Well, why? Well, the kings of the earth, they've committed gross sexual immorality, it says with her. Here's what they did. The kings of the earth, the rulers, those in power, they have sold their soul in order to get prestige and power and influence. They sold their soul. And now they've compromised with the beast. They've compromised. They sold their soul. Now they're watching it burn down and they mourn and they wail as they say, wow, there wasn't a city like her, but now only an hour and she's gone what do they mean only an hour well we're living in the tribulation right now i believe and so it's not a literal hour they're talking about it's but a moment it's a short time we enjoyed our short time they sold their soul uh, to the beast they sold their soul to get power prestige and fame and it's only for a short time and now the bills do right and so they weep and they wail and they mourn the merchants The merchants are living in the lap of luxury. They're mourning because their luxurious lifestyles are are going up in smoke. I mean, this is all about wealth. This is all about prosperity. This is all about living for those things. And he makes it clear. He names off all the commodities that they trade, right? He names off like 28 commodities. I mean, it's worldwide trade. It's worldwide prosperity. And, and, and they're looking at the lap of luxury and they name all these commodities and, and, and they're weeping because, man, they're wailing because, man, the life of luxury is gone. Now, notice the last thing on the, commodity, the last commodity name. It was slaves. It was slaves. And it says human souls. He humanizes it to let us know that they are so worshiping and idolatrous of money that they would do anything to get it, even the selling of humans. They have no dignity or respect for the sanctity of human life. Nothing. Money's more important to them than the dignity and sanctity of human life. And so he says, you are judged and they're weeping and they're wailing because they're losing their, their, their wealth and their opulence. And then he says, the mariners, the mariners are weeping. And why are the mariners weeping? Because that's how, in that day and age, that's how they got commodities from place to place. And they were paid to take it. And what's he talking about? He's talking about, man, our wage. He's talking about their wages are gone. Their, their, their prospects of a paycheck are gone. And so they look and they say, man, uh, I mean, just our, our living is gone. 
And so here's the lesson that you get. Babylon falls because of her rampant sexual immorality, all the allure of the prostitute. She's got people in her grips. Babylon falls, and when Babylon falls, the world mourns, and you're talking about the kings and the merchants and the mariners, and here's the point. All who put their hope in the things of the world and all who are, who are led astray by the prostitute, all of the world suffers total loss. There's total loss involved. There's nothing. And so there's mourning because the bill is now due. So the world mourns when Babylon falls. But there's another response, and it's from the faithful. It's from, it's from followers. It's from those with the mark of the lamb. And what's their response? Their response is total celebration. Now, you look at that, and you think, oh, man, that's, I mean, they're celebrating the destruction. Isn't that a little weird? I mean, it's, you know, you celebrate the destruction. of. No, it's not weird because it's not, vindic- it's not vindictiveness. They're not celebrating out of vindictiveness. They're celebrating out of vindication. All things have been made right. There's a celebration of the faithful. Remember, back in chapter 6, there, the, the martyrs are under the altar. Remember, the prayers are coming up to God. And what is, what is their prayer? Oh, Lord, how long before you vindicate? How long before you bring judgment on those who are killing your people? How long? And God says, hold on just a little bit longer until the full number of martyrs have come in. Now, now all things are made right. Now, remember who John is writing this to. And remember, Scripture can never mean what it never meant. You've got to know the context, in other words. And he's writing this to the seven churches in Asia Minor, which represent all the churches today, seven, complete, perfect. He's writing this to those churches, though he is writing it to specific churches in a specific location, in a specific time. And that was in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, and Laodicea, and Smyrna, and Pergamum, and, and, and Thyatira. He's writing to these churches, known and on, and these churches were undergoing immense and severe persecution. Remember, if they didn't bow down to the guild gods, the patron gods of the guild, they couldn't have their union card, which meant I couldn't go to work tomorrow and get a job. If they didn't bow down to the emperor, the statue of the emperor, and worship the emperor, they were having their heads chopped off. Man, they were being ran out of town. They were being persecuted, right? And so that's the world that he's writing this to. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, man. I mean, I'm following Jesus, and all of a sudden I'm incurring all of this turmoil and all this pain. What is this about? I mean, surely, I mean, it looks like the enemy's winning, and he's giving them this. And what an encouragement it would have been for them to say, okay, I I understand we're going through this. They hated Jesus. They're going to hate me too. But Jesus wins. He has already won. He's reigning right now, and he's going to burn Babylon to the ground. I'm going to trust him. What what encouragement it would have brought to those readers then. What an encouragement it should bring to us today. You see, I mean, so far in America, we're not having our heads chopped off, but in other parts of the world, they are. Today, when we look at what's going on in Afghanistan with entire churches that are being murdered and people, that Taliban uh, coming in and mowing down entire churches. Last week in Nigeria, there was a pastor, 14 Christians were murdered. They were shot, macheted uh, just because they followed Jesus. It happens all over the world, folks, today. More martyrs than ever before are dying because they follow Jesus. In America, you're not martyred because you're not killed necessarily because you follow Jesus. You're maligned. Man, you might lose a job. You're ridiculed. You're called a bigot. You're called old-fashioned. You're called backwoods. You have no influence. Christians uh, worldwide are the most oppressed people group in the world today. So it should give us great encouragement as we look at all that that's going on in the, in the uh, social unrest in America, in the division, in the hatred in America. It should give us hope when we look at all that and say, is the enemy winning this round? And, and is the outcome in jeopardy? No, the outcome is settled. God has already won. He's on his throne. He wins. The enemy, the beast, the dragon, the prostitute will get what's coming to them as God lowers the boom 
of judgment. They will get it. And so, so we see Babylon falls, and we see the world mourns, and we see the faithful celebrate. Now, there's one other thing that I want to point out that we see in here. Not only do we see Babylon fall, we see Christians flee. Christians flee. The faithful flee. Because if the faithful won't fall, but the faithful must flee. Have you thought about this? Think about how seductive this prostitute really is. I mean, the prostitute is really seductive. I mean, man, she captures all of our attentions, to be quite honest. We are all captivated by this prostitute. I mean, we're all captivated by consumerism. We're all captivated by whatever ism you want to put out there. We're all captivated by the allure of stuff, the fame, power, money, position, sex. We're all captivated by, 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 by Babylon. The prostitute has many, many different things that she dangles in front of us to captivate us. Guess what? Did you know that John was captivated by the prostitute as well? Even John. Now, think about this. Do you remember in 17, here's what the Bible says. Here, here's what uh, John, uh, the John who wrote this wrote about himself. He, when, he, when the angel showed him a vision of the prostitute, he marveled. He, mar- he was captivated. He marveled at her. And what did the angel do? The angel immediately said, John, 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 bounce your eyes, son. Look up here. Right? Look up here. You, don't be captivated by the prostitute. Don't be captivated by her. I, I mean, look up here. Now, think about John. I want you to think about John for a moment. John was Jesus' best friend when Jesus was in his three years of public ministry. John was his best friend. He was his ride or die. Okay? John was the man who, who laid his head on Jesus' chest at the night that they were celebrating Passover, the night before Jesus was murdered. John was the one whom Jesus loved. John hung out with Jesus night and day. He rode with him night and day for three years. John loved Jesus, and Jesus loved John. If John can be captivated by, for a moment by the prostitute, she will eat our lunch, folks, if we're not careful. And so what does John say? John says, hey, Flee, come out of her. Come out of her before you participate in her sins and suffer her judgment. Come out of her, Christian. Listen, church, come out of her. So, so we need to drill down on that for a moment and understand what that means because the churches have misunderstood this for years. What does it mean to flee or to come out of her? Well, some churches say, well, you know what that means? That means that, man, we need to, to, to not have anything to do with the world, with Babylon. We need to literally hate Babylon. We need to attack Babylon. We need to, go to, we, we, we need to form, a, build a fortress around our building. Man, this is our fortress. This is our commune. Let's buy an island somewhere. Let's all Christians go live on an island so that we can resist. I mean, is that what it means? No, that's, that's not what it means. In order to understand what it means, we have to look at the total teaching of Scripture. That's what you have to do with everything. We know that's not what it means because Jeremiah told the Israelites living in literal the kingdom of Babylon when they were in exile. They captured them, they conquered them, captured them, took them off in slaves. And what did Jeremiah tell them to do? Jeremiah wrote to them and he told them, hey, listen, all, all you Israelites, y'all got to get together somewhere and form a little commune so you protect yourself from Babylon uh, or go, 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 go find you an island. That's not what he said at all. He didn't tell them to isolate. Matter of fact, he told them the opposite. He said, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat the produce, get wives, have children, seek the welfare of the city that you live in. For in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. Do you remember that? 
So he didn't tell them to run. He told them to settle down. You're going to live in Babylon. Now, folks, we live in Babylon today. We are like the Israelites. We are in exile. We are citizens. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got the mark of the Lamb, then you live, you are a part of a different kingdom. Your citizenship is in another place. The Bible says we're sojourners on this planet. So my allegiance ultimately is to my citizenship, which is heaven, right? That's my ultimate allegiance. I am an American, but above my American flag is my Christian flag, right? But above, uh, you know, my nationality is my spirituality. Above that, I am a citizen of heaven. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I am a sojourner here. I'm in exile. In where? Babylon. We live today in metaphorical Babylon, and I'm in exile here. God says to plant houses, to, I mean, plant gardens, eat their produce, build houses, live in them, get married, have children, seek the welfare of the city. So what do we do? Well, that done, we can't do any of those things if we move to an island, if we isolate, if we get together, build fortresses, and live on a commune. That's not what he said to do anyway. Remember, he said, you are the salt of the earth. Remember that? You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your light and praise God. So that they may see your good works and praise God. Can you be salt of the earth if you're not living uh, among those who need the salt? Is the salt any good? Can you be the light if you've got it under a basket on an island somewhere? Uh, the dark world's over here that needs the light and the light's over here on an island by itself, all the light. No. Jesus said before he went to heaven, go and make disciples of all nations, the world. Well, how can we make disciples of the world if we don't live amongst the world? How, how, seek, how can we seek the welfare of the city? It's because the, the welfare of the city becomes our welfare if we don't live in the city. So the deal is, here's what God says. He says over and over. He, in Jeremiah, he told him to flee from Babylon, right? Uh, it, it, three times, he told, that was the, before he burns it down. Uh, Paul tells us to not, be un, to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Over and over, we're told to flee the influence of the world, right? Over and over, we're told to, to flee. That doesn't mean we isolate. It means we insulate. That doesn't mean we isolate. We buy an island and move on it or we start a commune. That's not what it means. We can't be witnesses and have an effect and be the salt that flavors the world and the light that shines bright in a dark world if we're not in the world. And so what does he mean? Here's what he means. When John says, come out of her, he lets us know what it means. Lest you participate in her sins and then you fall under her judgment. Lest you participate in her sins. In other words, when he says come out of her, he doesn't mean we isolate. He means that we do not participate in her sins. So it means we look at all the allure that, that the prostitute offers. We look at all the allure that the prostitute offers, and, and, and we look at, at, at all the things she offers. And we as Christians, we live according to God's principles and God's word. And we, and, and we insulate ourselves, and we hold each other accountable, and, and we grow to become more like him in a world that looks less and less like him. Here's what it means. We do not participate in her sins. And so what does that mean? Well, I, I'm going to give you three quick ones, and, and, and we're out, okay? I want to give you three quick ones and, and, because here's the allure of Babylon is many. There are many things, many baits that she dangles in front of you, right? 
I mean, she's fishing the prostitute. She's fishing and she's trying, to, she's trying to seduce you. She's trying to catch you and she's got a lure right in front of you. And that bait is whatever you like. You know, you use different bait for different fish, right? And you use different bait for different species. And so some of you, man, that, 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 there, there are different baits and lures that, that that prostitute's dangling in front of you because she knows that that's what tempts you. And man, you're just wanting to pounce on that and it's gonna bring death, not life. And it's promising life. It's promising, eat this lure and man, you will be full. It will bring joy to your belly and man, you're gonna bite that and it's gonna be a hook that kills you. Many things for different, many baits for many different people, right? But here, here are two of the most. We t- there's all kind of social commentary today, but three of the most today that I, that I wanna talk about because these are the three that kill the most and that's one is, is, is money. How do we come out? Well, we have a different view of money than, than, the, than the world, than, than Babylon. You see, here's what Babylon says. Babylon says your money's your money. Get all the money you can because money's what makes the world go round. The more money you have, the more happy you'll be. So live your life to make money, get money, keep money. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and that, that's all, just get money. That's what Babylon says, right? It's all about the Benjamins, right? Get as much as Benjamins, get as much money, live your life for that. That's what Babylon says. You get that, you'll be happy. Well, you know it brings death because uh, how much is enough? There's never enough. It just moves. And so, so as a Christian, we have a different ethic. See, in Babylon, here's what they did. We know that they sold slaves. They sold slaves. They had zero respect for the, for the, for the uh, sanctity and dignity of human life. Here's what that meant. I don't care about you. I care about money. And if hurting you means I get money, I'm going to hurt you because my goal is money. I'm going to take care of me, Right? We also know that they had to bow down to the guild gods, the patron guild gods. If they didn't bow down to whatever god the welders union had or the electric union or, or, or the auto workers union, you know, I mean, if they didn't bow down to that god, they didn't get their union card and they couldn't work. So you know what many Christians did? Many Christians said, forget you. I'm not bound down to any god. I'm gonna remain faithful. They, they might've been killed. They couldn't support their family, but they said, I'm not sacrificing my faith and my God. I'm not, I'm not going to commit sexual immorality or idolatry uh, by, by worshiping another God, which might have been bowing down to that God, but that God meant nothing. You were bowing down to that God because you were really worshiping money. Many of them did it, right? Well, praise God, here's what happens today. Because some of you say, you know what? I don't sell slaves. And I, I mean, I, I don't sell slaves and I don't worship, uh, I don't bow down to the God of, at my, I don't go into the front door of the God of my office and bow down every morning. So I'm good, right? Well, I mean, no, that's not the issue because you see, praise God, slavery is still all over the world. But praise God, America is one of the only countries that's eradicated slavery. So I, I don't think you buy and sell slaves. I do think we are very, 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 our, 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 our culture and the Babylon and the beast, the value of sanct- and sanctity and dignity of human life is seen in the fact of, of, of how many uh, babies are still killed and, and, and all those kinds of things. We, we do not value as a society the sanctity of human life. Uh, that does, okay, but I don't do that, Pat. I, man, I, 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 wanna, I wanna fight for the unborn. I, 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 so so it's, it, it, it's not, Slavery. We don't. We don't sell slaves. You don't bow down to the office at your door. You don't walk in to your office tomorrow, and before you walk in, you bow down to some image. That's not you. But let me let me tell you what you do. Or, or I say you. Let me tell you what we do. Okay. Let me tell you how, how to know if you worship money. Now, I also want to say this: money's not bad. Prosperity's not bad. Do you know that? 
Prosperity is not bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of, the, uh, some of the most wealthy people in the world have, are in the Bible. Did you realize that, that, that some of the Old Testament, Solomon was the most wealthiest man in the world and still would be today according to our standards? He would make Bill Gates look like a poor man. What about that? Solomon was a wealthy man. Wealthy. David was a wealthy man. Wealthy women supported Jesus and, 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 and man, they blessed you. So wealth is not, as a matter of fact, wealth is not bad at all. As a matter of fact, let me, let me, let me I want you to hear me close on this and don't hear this and cut me off because you'll hear I, I think Christians probably should be the most prosperous people in the world. Now, don't hear me wrong. Let me go, this is not a prosperity gospel. It's not a health and wealth gospel at all. Far from it. Let me tell you why I think Christians should be the most prosperous people in the world. Because, folks, <laughs> if you run a business, if anybody works for you, then you know, I mean, you can't get people to show up on time, right? You can't get people to work. You can't get people to show up on time. I mean, man, you can't get people to work ethic and showing up on time and hopping in him. If you're a Christian, you should do what the Bible says. You know what the Bible tells you to do if you're a believer? To, to those who you, it says that you should show up on time. It says that you should have a good work ethic, that you should be honest. If you'll do those three things, you are ahead of 99% of the people in our world and your company will shoot you to the top probably, right? I mean, just work, show up, <laughs> be honest. Isn't it funny that the bar is so low that that's all we have to do to be prosperous in our world today? So prosperity is not the issue. Prosperity is not the issue. What's the issue? Worshiping the money. It means I'll do whatever I can to get it. If it means selling slaves, I'm going to sell slaves, right? If I had to bow down, I'll bow down. Well, you're not going to do those things today, so what do you do? Well, some people cheat on our taxes. They cheat on our taxes. Why would we cheat on our taxes? Well, because I want the money and I'm gonna have to give them money. You know what, some people, don't, some people don't tithe. Some Christians don't tithe. Matter of fact, most Christians don't tithe. Uh, uh, around our country, 90-some percent of Christians don't tithe. Why do they not tithe? Because one of two reasons. It's because I either want the money and I've gotta give 10% of my money. Wow, uh, never mind God giving me all of it, but I've gotta give 10%. It's not I got to, you get to, because God gave it to you. So, so I, either I, I wanna keep it so I can do things with it, or I have worshiped it, and in worshiping it, I've gotten in so much debt, and I've got, see, I worship this car, and so I got this car, I got this house, and so I got all this stuff, and I can't tithe. So either way, we don't tithe. Now, let me make sure you understand something. When you buy a house, and so when you buy, it's not like, is buying a house wrong? Is buying a car wrong? No, not necessarily, but if buying that house and buying that car keeps you from tithing and giving, it's sin. It's wrong, okay? So it's not. It's buying that big old house. Don't look at somebody and say, oh, they got a big old house. That's not in your business, right? They may give more to the Lord than, than, than I make in a year. And it may be, they may get high 20%, okay? The issue is, does that house keep me from serving God with my money? You see, most people buy a house. You know what we do? Here's another sign. Most people buy a house, stuff. You know, it's not, some people would say, well, it's not about the money. It's about the stuff, right? It's about the stuff I can get with money. Most people buy a house, you know what to do? They buy a house, and when they buy a house, the, the goal of buying a house is not necessarily where can I, where can I have the greatest ministry opportunity, uh, it, it's which house will greatly increase my image. Where do I feel like I can keep up with the Joneses who live in Babylon, right, or car? So there's nothing wrong with buying new houses or new cars and all that kind of stuff, nothing at all, as long as it's an improper perspective, right? But that's what we do. Is, is, is when, let, me, let me tell you another way. When you neglect your family, 
to work all the time because you need money or want money, when you neglect your church to work all the time because you want money. Here's the thing, man, Babylon lures this prostitute. She lures this money in front of you thinking, if you just get more money, you will be happy. I've got to work so I can have money because that'll make me happy. It brings death. It's a wasteland and it brings death. Come out, he says. Have a different attitude about money because you are a citizen of a different kingdom. Show the world you're different. Come out, lest you participate in her sins and then suffer her judgment. Here's another, here's the other uh, ethic, money ethic, sexual ethic. Those are the two things that destroy marriages, the two biggest things that destroy marriages, that destroy families, that destroy people. Now there's a lot, but sexual ethic, what does our world say? Man, our world today has gone crazy. Do you agree with me? Sexually ethic, sexual ethic has gone crazy. It's, it's, it's not just anyone, anywhere. I know that the whole 60s, the hippie, the sexual revolution and, and all that stuff happened. That, 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 that right there don't hold a light to what we see today. I mean, man, you got the sexual revolution. It says with anyone, have sex with anyone, anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even, I mean, man, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's about you and it's about pleasure. It doesn't matter if, if it's uh, opposite sex, same sex. It doesn't matter if it's a sex at all, right? I mean, it's just pleasure. That's the world. That's how, just enjoy yourself, right? It's about you and pleasure. Remember, it's not about, sex is not about just pleasure. It is. That's why God created the way he did, but it's about much more, it's about covenant. But the world says anyone, anywhere. And we're seeing this and it's thrown in our face right now, right? It's thrown in our face. Matter of fact, let, let me, I, I wanna, I, I read an article this week. I read an article this week that was in CNN Entertainment. They did an article on, uh, this is a commentary to the sexual ethic of our world and the fact that we're living in Babylon, okay? They did, an, uh, they did an article on a hip-hop artist named Lil Nas X. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lil Nas X, okay? Okay, if you heard of Lil, Lil, Lil Nas X and, you know, uh, it, the whole article, the title of the article was what his music means to hip-hop and, and queer black men. That was the, that was the, uh, the title of his article. Uh, his songs are completely about queer intimacy and explicitly express his desires as a gay man. Here's what he writes. Here's one of the songs says, if Eve ain't in your garden, you know you can call me when you want, when you need. If Eve ain't in your garden, talking to dudes, you can call me when you want, when you need. Uh, he challenges people to be free. And in one video, he plays, uh, in one video, he plays a snake, the role of the snake, remember the Garden of Eden. And he also plays the role of Adam. And he plays the snake who seduces Adam uh, in the Garden of Eden. And then he pole dances, dressed crazy, obviously. He pole dances down to hell where he twerks on Satan. And the whole thing is, the whole time, and he, he, he says, uh, mocking, no weapon formed against you will prosper, which is scripture. And then he gives a wink saying, here's what he's saying. All of you Bible-thumping Christians that talk about homosexuality being wrong and that I'm going to go to hell if I, all this kind of stuff, forget you. That's what he's saying. He's, he's saying uh, eternal damnation and judgment, uh, forget that world. You be free of that. You live in, you don't think we're living in Babylon? You don't think we're living in Babylon, folks? So what, does this, what do we do as Christians? Man, we live under God's sexual ethic. And here's what I wanna make very, very clear. We live under God's sexual ethic. And, 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 and here's what I wanna make so clear. If you 
are lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, uh, you know, are, are a pan, whatever. You are welcome in this place. You're welcome here. Man, we love you and you're welcome here. But let me make sure you understand something. We are going to uphold and live by the biblical sexual ethic. We're going to stand on the biblical sexual ethic. You as Christians, we as Christians need to come out. We need to come out. And how do we do that? Let me make sure, here's the third way. We're gonna love, not hate, and peace, not chaos. That's how we do it. We love, we don't hate. We love, what's, what's going on in our world today? Is it not the craziest world you've ever seen in your life? It's actually exactly what the beast wants. It's what the prostitute wants. There is utter division all over the world. Incredible division within our country. Then there's social unrest, there's political turmoil. I mean, you've got people that are fighting over everything. It's more divided now than ever. It's more divided than it was in the 60s during the Vietnam War. And some of you can't remember that. Some of you can remember that. That was divided over the ideological ideology of a war and where we should be. This is divided over every ideology, over everything. If you don't agree with me, you're crazy and you're a fool, right? That's what our world, I mean, man, you've got people in our world, you've got, here's what you got. You've got uh, non-vaxxers and non-maskers saying that people who wear masks and who are vaccinated are fools. You've got people who are vaxxers and who are masks saying those who aren't are fools. I think both are fools, to be quite honest, <laughs> right? And, 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 and that's sad when you look at our world. Man, you got people divided over nationality, over skin color, over this. And I, I mean, you, you got people divided over socioeconomic. Everybody's divided over everything. In our world, that's what you expect in our world because they're following the prostitute. The prostitute don't bring life, it brings death. It brings death of unity, right? But here's what's sad. I see it coming over into the church. I see it coming over into the church. And I see people in the church following those same things. Fighting over, man, people in the church. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, if you don't wear a mask, if you do, if you're vaccinated, if you're not, if you're not, if you, uh, crazy, crazy nonsense to have hate and chaos, not love and peace. To fight over any, I mean, we should, the world should look at us and say, those people are different. They have a peace about them. Man, I'm not going to let it drag me into the mud of the hate and the chaos and the peace and, and, the, and the lack of peace. I'm not going to let it drag me down. I'm not going to let it bring death into my life of, of, of constant worry and thinking I've got to do battle. Folks, here's what I want you to know. I love, y'all you know me, I love politics, right? I'm a, I, I love, we've got great politic petitions in our church that I'm thankful for. Man, Christian politicians are few and, far, few and far between, and we've got some great ones in our church at the local level, at the state level. We've got some great ones. I love it, all right? because we need to be involved. But let me make sure you understand something. Why do we feel like we have to fight everything? I do not put my trust in my government to save me. I put my trust in the Lord, okay? So I don't have to fight. I'm gonna fight over when they tell me, man, they tell me I can't preach the gospel, I'm fighting over that. Okay, they tell me I can't, I'm fighting. There are things when it, when, it, when, it, when it, contrary to God's word, I'm fighting for that. But why am I going to fight over, man, the, the things that's going, here's what we got to do. We come out. We come out. Man, it's easy for Christians to stand against homosexuality. It's so hard to stand against homosexuality in love and, and act like not be a jerk for Jesus about it sometimes, it seems. 
Man, we got to say, hey, look, man, what do we show? I, 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 I love you. Man, I love you. I, I'm not doing this to, cond- I'm doing this to help you. It's compassion. We speak the truth with compassion. We come out of Babylon, right? We come out of her so we don't participate in her sins. Why do we do that? For God's glory. Because you're his child if you're a Christian. If you bear the mark of the, of the lamb, you're his child. That means the world looks at you and says, do I want to have anything to do with your daddy? So you do it for God's glory and you do it for the good of the world. What is a hate-filled, sexually deviant, I mean absolute indebted, uh, idol-worshipping, just going down the tubes world need? Do they need your hate and do they need you trying to stick a dagger in their heart or do they need you to let God take care of that and for you to love them so they'll see your daddy and give their heart to him? What do they need, church? It's for God's glory and it's for, it's for the good of the world that we live as people who are of a different citizenship in a different kingdom. That's what the world needs. That's what God tells us to do. That's what John says, come out. Don't isolate, insulate. Live different for God's glory and the good of the world. Church, it's a challenge for us, isn't it? If you don't believe in Jesus, Here's what I want you to know. Man, you may be in a different country right now. You're watching. You may be in the house. And here's the thing. Everything I've said today, if it repulses you and you think, this guy, that means the Holy Spirit's not working on your heart. And I understand. You don't have the Holy Spirit. What I've said today is not going to resonate with you unless the Holy Spirit opens your ears to hear it and your eyes to see it, your brain to understand it, and your heart to receive it. That's what it takes. But some of you right now, the Holy Spirit, I think, is working on. Right now, I think the Holy Spirit's got some of you going, I don't necessarily like to hear that, but there's something about it I need. I, I would challenge you, take that next step and let us know. Text the word Jesus uh, uh, to the number on the screen. If you're in the house, you can do that. Or please come and see us so that we can help you understand how you can be a child of God, how your citizenship can change, how you can have hope and peace in a broken, chaotic world. If you don't know Jesus, please text the word on text the word Jesus number on the screen. If you do, Christian, come out, come out of her, lest you commit her sins and fall into her judgment. Do not participate in her sins. I named three today. There's many baits, man. There's many baits. It's not just money and sex and hatred, man. It, it is. It is so many baits. What is what 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 is the prostitute dangling in front of you and actually what has she got you to bite on and she's reeling you in and killing you with it come out christian live different for the glory of god and the good of the world live different i challenge you today to come out the faithful will not fall the faithful will not fall when babylon does the faithless will are you faithful or faithless father we love you thank you for your grace God, help us today to bring honor to you. God, I pray for this church. I pray that we would come out, Lord. I pray that that, that those who love you would come out of Babylon. In other words, we would not participate in our sins. God, help us to build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat its produce and get married and have children and seek the welfare of the city because it's in its welfare will be our welfare. God, I pray that we would go into the world and make disciples, that we would be salt and light. God, all that means that we don't isolate. It don't mean we run and we attack. Lord, it means we love the world. We live in the world, but we're, not, we're, uh, we're in it, but we're not of it, Lord. It means we live in it, but we're different. God, we come out 
to make, we're different to make a difference, God, for your glory and the good of the world. Help us to live as children of your uh, uh, kingdom ought to live, God. I pray that Christians would come out. I pray that those who are not Christians right now would be saved, God. I pray that you would open their eyes to see you. God, open their hearts to receive you. God, their ears to hear your gospel. God, their minds to understand it. Holy Spirit, I pray you would bring a revival in the church. Help Christians to wake up, God, out of a slumber. Help Christians, God, to come out and to live a different life for your glory and the world's good. God, I pray that for a spiritual awakening along with a revival, an awakening where people who are lost come to know you. God, I pray for people in our community, in our city, to come and know you in a, in, in a, in a way that just changes their life radically. Do that right here in this church. Do that in this community. Do it in church in our community. God, I pray that you would draw us to you and help us to live different lives for your glory and the world's good. In Jesus' name, amen.